Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Christina Curran. She is my friend. She is our psychic medium on the podcast. And Christina, you are a delight. I'm so glad to have you back. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Leslie. I'm so excited to be here, as always. (laughs) Well, I tell you, I love you to death. And we have had so many of these wonderful episodes. And everybody loves when we talk. And the last time we talked was episode 170. We talked about Agartha and the Mandela effect. And you told me a story in that actual episode where you said that you wanted to work at the mall so badly and you dreamed about it that you actually had friends seeing you walking around the mall. And I took that and ran with it and we talked about it. But then I listened to the episode and you said they had conversations with you. And I I got on the phone with you and I was like, how did I miss this? What? We need to talk about that the next time we have an episode. So what is going on with that? Okay, so that's where we were. And if you want to explain it even more, go right ahead. Yeah, so the interesting part about that particular piece of the story was that I had, you know, more than two hands worth of occurrences where my friends would come to me and say, you know, let's say I was meeting up with a girlfriend from church and they were going to come to my house and we were going to go to the movies. I was like the designated driver <laughs> for all of my friends during that time, oh, even wow. though we didn't drink. Oh yeah. And most of the moms trusted me to drive people around. So they would come and meet me and then we would go drive places. Oh, and half the time when people would come over to my house, they would say, like when I would open the door and greet them, they would say, wait a second, how did you get here? And I would be like, what are you talking about? And they would say, well, we just saw you at the mall at Chesapeake Square and we talked to you. And I, you know, the whole time I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't been to the mall. I did not see you. I did not talk to you. Maybe you saw somebody that looked like me and they would be insistent. No, you don't understand. We saw you and we talked to you. That is insane to me. Um, Yeah. What? Yeah. Some of them said, I can remember uh, one of my girlfriends saying that they saw me in front of the Disney store and I was just standing in front of the Disney store. And when they asked me like, Hey, you know, we're going to see you later today. I confirmed our plans. Yeah. See you in a little bit. I'm just going to run into a couple of places and then run back home. You'll probably beat me home. You know, I had small little, you know, in air quotes, I had a conversation with people at the mall somehow. (laughs) And what I don't understand, do you think, because obviously you have abilities and you did then, I don't think you knew about them like you obviously do now. I don't think they were even developed, but I do think that maybe, do you think that was like a fractal of you, like almost a ghost of you or, you know? It absolutely could have been. Absolutely. Who is to say, right? To me, it's just like, well, when you talked about it on the podcast and I went back and I was like, what, what, how did I not say anything about that? And you're like, yeah, it really happened. And it was around the time when probably your abilities were getting even more in tune with you or more enlightened because you were teenager. And that's about the time that some of that stuff starts happening. And when you wish something so badly, you kind of could make it come true. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, that it happened the way that it did, thinking about it more. I had talked to my friends about wanting to work at the mall. Mm. So it's interesting that only my friends saw me at the mall. They were also kind of a part of that conversation that we had had multiple times. So who's to say, you know, the fact that all of us collectively kind of talked about that together, 
who's to say, did we create some sort of like little group reality where I just walked the floors of the mall trying to find my next place of employment. And when they were there, they happened to also be able to participate in that little blip of reality. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I remember like on one of your videos on TikTok, you said, do you guys ever dream of these things? And there's in one of them, this old, just decrepit 80s mall that looks like it's been abandoned for years and it kind of has trees growing in it and stuff. So is that a thing too? You know, I think that some of that has to do with the astral plane in general. I think that the astral plane over on the other side is kind of this abyss of anything that you can think of from the places that we've encountered during our current lifetimes, places that may be decrepit and abandoned now in our current lifetimes, you know. There used to be a drive-in movie theater here locally um, in the Tidewater area. And I used to go kind of driving past that with my parents when I was younger. Mm. And as I grew up, I started having dreams of that drive-in theater being abandoned and being decrepit. So with the years that rolled on, they eventually tore that down. So in some reality, did I still kind of hold that memory? I'm not sure. Yeah, but it's so amazing what the mind can do. It's just incredible because, and this kind of brings me to another point. I was watching a video on TikTok, big surprise, where this woman said, and I've heard this many times on other videos, where this woman said, you know, I was in a car accident and I was really badly hurt. I didn't know it at the time, but this woman came up to me and said, hi, I'm a nurse and I'm here to help you. And so you need to lay back. I don't want you to go into shock. And like she was just coaxing her into just being calm until the ambulance got there. And apparently she needed blood. She was bleeding out the whole thing, right? It was really bad. And when she finally started realizing that she's going to be okay and she's in the ambulance and all that, she said, well, I want to go thank the lady that was here. And they're like, there's no, there's no lady. And I was like, wow. And I've heard so many people talk about those kinds of things that happen and they call it the third man syndrome. So what do you know about that? Yes. So I have heard stories and variations of these stories countless amounts of times. I think this can be a couple of different things. I think number one, obviously, all of us are surrounded by a host of support and spirit on a daily basis. Mm. We are never truly alone. Even if you physically feel alone in spirit, there is a host of people that surround us on a daily basis. So I think that when we get into some of these really dangerous situations, that could be almost like a crossroads for our life. Either we could pass away in that experience or live through it. Very often our spirit team, our guardian angels, our family and spirit steps in during that time and really helps us live and survive through a particular situation. Right. And, you know, it's kind of the same kind of thing, though, Christina, think about it. You're walking at a mall, a full-blown person walking at a mall that's really not you, right? But you're a complete, solid person to other people. It's the same kind of thing with this. You're a solid person that helped you in your car accident or helped you with a horrible situation that you went through. And all of a sudden, they're not there. No one knows who they were. And, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but it kind of is. You know, as we were talking about this, too, I had this thought pop into my head and my guides are kind of chattering about it. Now, this isn't completely the same. There was not the level of 
danger and severity in regards to this, but this was an experience that I had when I was a kid. Okay. My grandmother, my mom lives here locally. And we didn't, it's not very often that we get big snows during the winter time. If we get a dusting, that's big for here. But okay. on this particular year, I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, maybe. And we got a pretty big snow. Um, like the snow was big enough to where we could sled. Wow. So we had taken our sleds over to my memo's house and me and a couple of my cousins were over there. She had this big backyard that had a hill. So you could take your sled at the top and then sled down to the bottom. And her yard backed up to Nettles drive, um, which was a busy two lane road. And she had this chain link fence around her yard. That was the only thing that separated her yard from the road. I sledded down the hill Mm. and I was in a long kind of like rectangular sled When I got to the base of the hill, I'd been going so fast that I literally ran my sled up underneath her chain link fence and got caught. I hit like a small little patch of ice, I guess. And it just pushed me fast enough to where I went right up underneath that fence. And it was me and I believe it was my other cousin, Jessica, but I cannot remember. So Jessica, if you're listening, don't quote me on this. (laughs) But I remember one of my cousins being there and we were scared. And I remember saying, go run inside and get my mom, granddaddy. And I started to cry, like sitting, because I was caught. My pants legs were caught. And this man came out of nowhere. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's giving me the chills now thinking about it. He came out of nowhere from my right. Now, knowing this area, like I would have seen him walking down the street. Now, maybe I was too distracted and upset in that moment, and I didn't see him. But he came out of nowhere, and I remember he walked up to me. He had the prettiest blue eyes, and he said, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to cry. Let's get you out from underneath this fence. And he lifted that chain link fence up and got me out from underneath it. Now, I was terrified, and it was a stranger. (laughs) So I remember, like, looking at him and kind of, like, waving at him nervously and running back inside. But nobody had seen this man. Now, again, could have been a random person that walked along. But it's weird that he came along in that moment. Yeah, but the thing is, I think it was somebody that maybe was a third man syndrome. And let me tell you why. I think most people would have stuck around for you. I think that's the difference. I think that's the difference. That's true. Because when we went back outside, I don't remember him being there. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like they would have said, oh, I'll stay with you. You don't have to be afraid, whatever. And you were a little kid. So, and they would have stayed with you until someone like a grown up or somebody that knew you were responsible for you would take care of you and then they could move on or whatever. But for you to be caught and so scared. Yeah. Wow. So that third man syndrome, I think happens, it happens to a lot of people that have near death experiences. It did happen to Diana. Uh, She was a near death experiencer. I've interviewed her and she was a nurse. And someone helped pull her out of the car. She helped herself, but she also had somebody help her too. And she doesn't know how she did it because her ankle was literally not even attached to her body anymore. It was kind of just barely attached. And there's no way she could have done it on her own. And she said, I know someone helped me. So I was like, wow, okay. So I think this is a thing. And I think it could be guides, it could be angels. I mean, I don't know, maybe it could even be a loved one. I think it's just whoever can step in. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. One thing that's interesting that spirits will tell me is that some spirits, when they pass away, let's say that they decide they don't want to be a spirit guide. They want to stay over on the spirit side and settle out some karma over there. Okay. They've said that one thing that you can be is a helper. 
And when I asked them, what the heck is a helper? They said that, let's say that your spirit guides are tied up doing something for a different charge that they have. Let's say that your guardian angel isn't able to intervene in the particular moment that you're in because of free will. Let's say that you decide to, you know, make a choice to walk through Central Park at 3 a.m. Yeah. and your your yeah. spirit guides are all tied up, right? Right. I said that some people over on the other side will basically be those step-in guardian angels. They'll be the person that follows you through Central Park at 3 a.m. and makes it so that you don't wow. sit down on a bench. Wow. They hustle you through that area and make sure that you don't dilly-dally, basically. Right. Well, it's so funny because I'm like, I didn't realize that our spirit guides could be tied up somewhere else. So what's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that used to really frustrate me when I would channel, when I would do uh, you know, sessions, I would ask certain questions of my guides, and sometimes it would be like crickets. And I wouldn't really understand why that was. And they said, well, Christina, you're not our only charge. We take care of several different people, not just you. You're never completely alone, but sometimes we do have our hands in other pots over on the astral plane. And, you know, with all the spirits on the other side, you think they could just spare some free people all the time, you know? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I tell you, I, I know that they have a sense of humor on the other side. I know they're laughing. They have to be laughing at this point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to also talk to you um, on this episode about something that happened with me and my father. And if you guys are an avid listener on on my podcast, you know that I interviewed the blue collar spiritualist. His name was Pete. And he helped clear some energy in my shoulders. I always felt this tightness in my shoulders. And I'm not kidding. He completely cleared that energy for me. And it was crazy because I always have, and Christina knew this, I always have pain in my right shoulder blade, always did. And my husband would work it out sometimes at night and it would be better, but it was always there, never, never going away. And in my heart, I knew I forgave my dad and all the things, right? But when he said, if it's in your shoulder, then it's typically in your shoulders, it's typically your parents, some kind of thing with your parents. He said, the right is typically your dad and the left is typically your mom. He goes, that's just how I read it. It may be different for other people, but that's just how I interpret it. And I was like, okay. And I told him, well, it's definitely on my right side. And if you guys know me at all, you might or may not. Um, my dad was very abusive and I'm not going to get into what he did, but you can just use your imagination and know that he was very abusive to me and my sister and my brothers and different ways of being abusive, but nonetheless. So as much as I thought I forgave him, I must have carried on the trauma of the abuse he gave me. And so when that went away, I, and he said, Hey, listen, your dad's been here the whole time while I've been clearing you. And I said, well, you know, at this point, if I hold on to, you know, the memories and the bad things that happened, you know, I know I've forgiven him. And he goes, yeah, but if you let it go completely, like, you know, you let that energy go out of your shoulder, which I did. And I said, well, now I know it's serving me because it's for me, not necessarily for him. And he said, that's right. And so I was like, okay, well, I just offer him love and light at this point because, you know, you hear people say, well, you don't know what he did to me. And if I let it go, he'll win. Well, he's winning. Whoever would be winning that abused you, they would be winning and you would be losing, right? So you have to let go of that, that trauma if you can. And I know it's not easy. And this is uh, no foul on anyone who just can't let that go. I get it. I couldn't for a long time, guys, and I'm in my 50s. So later on that day, I started kind of thinking about it. And 
I asked my mom, I said, Mom, you know, what do you think? And she goes, well, you can connect with him if you want, and you can talk to him. And I was like, I don't know if I want to talk to him. And she's like, okay, that's totally up to you. But I was like, well, okay. So so later that night, when my husband and I were getting ready for bed, he was already asleep. And I just kind of laid there quietly. And I said, you know, you know me, Dad, are you there? You know, and he did say I'm here. And I said, okay, because you know, everyone knows I can talk to my mom and Jen Sterling, if you roll your eyes at this, you better stop it because she's like, everybody knows you can talk to your mom. I'm like, okay, not everybody knows. <laughs> so anyway, I know I'm just giving her a little plug. Uh, she's a great author. Go go buy her books. Anyway, so I just said, you know, are you there, daddy? Because I'm here. And I said, okay, um, I just want to let you know, I, I let it go. I let all the trauma go. I there's It's not serving me. And he said, okay, that that's good. I said, well, where are you? You know, can you know, I know you're not where my mom is. Where are you? And he says, well, I'm, I'm up here. I'm here. And I said, okay, well, where is that? And he goes, well, I'm not where she is because I'm not in the same frequency. And I was like, okay. And you got to remember, this is more of a feeling. It's not necessarily a conversation. It's a download kind of thing that I get. And so I said, okay, well, what's it like where you are? And he goes, I'm in solitary confinement. And I was like, what, you know, uh, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, I'm in a level on the other side. It's not hell, but it's something it's, it's like he's assigned it to himself, right? Because we're our own judgment up there. I said, okay, well, I've forgiven you. Does that does that help you? I don't know why I said that. Because I for some reason, maybe my soul knew if I forgave him, that would help him. And he goes, No, that helps me a lot. And he said, the fact that you are talking to me now is helping me now. And I started kind of feeling empathy for this guy because I know that guys, as a human, he was a horrible person, but they don't have egos up there. You know, he's completely devoid of ego. And now he's honestly making himself have penance or whatever you want to call it for the stuff that he did, the horrible things he did to us. So I said, all right, well, this is what I want you to do because I know about Reiki because of Christina. And she's told me many times that I can go back and hug the little girl that I was and maybe heal something inside that little girl. And maybe it'll make trauma in my life now because time doesn't exist, really, because everything's existing at the same time. You can go back and just say, hey, little girl, it's going to be fine and hug that little girl, whatever. And I told him to do that for me. I said, I need you to be the parent that I should have had back then and go back and hug that little girl and hug her like a father should and protect her like a father should. And however you choose to do that, I need you to do that. And then I got emotional when I was telling him that. And he said, and he got kind of quiet. And I said, Are you there? And he says, I'm here. And He says, the fact that you asked me will help me ascend out of this solitary confinement, it'll help me ascend out of this, this frequency. And I said, Wow, okay, well, then go back and do it. Because I at this point, I have no animosity towards you. I have no hate towards you. Um, because we, we can't be judging, you know, that's not what we're taught. It's what we do though, as humans. And so I've been kind of in contact with him and I asked him, I said, you know, I know you're not in hell cause there's no hell. And he did say that he goes, there's no hell. You maybe kind of make it your personal hell. And then he said, but I'm in solitary confinement. And I said, okay, this morning, actually, I connected with him again. And I said, How are you doing? Are you out of that solitary confinement? And he says, No, I'm not out of solitary confinement. But I'm off of that level. I'm, I'm away from the level that I was. And I said, Do you feel source? And he said, Oh, source, you feel the love all around you. And he told me that at the beginning, he said, I feel source love all around me. And that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you wanting to heal yourself. And I was like, wow, okay, so it's almost like you're getting encouragement 24 seven, if you want to put a time constraint on it, 
So that's never ending the love. But it's almost like you want to make sure you're worthy of the love. And so I said to him, did you go back and do what I asked you to do? And he goes, absolutely, I did that. And I said, well, maybe if it can help me, maybe it can help my sister and brothers. And he said, well, don't I need their permission? And I said, maybe, but I don't think they'll ever be where I am now for you to fix this. And I think that maybe if you go back and try to show them the love of a dad that should have been because that was your time, maybe you could fix some trauma for them too. And so this is where Christina and I start talking. And Christina, what are your guides or what do you think about all this? So I think, first off, I think it's very interesting that your dad used the word solitary confinement in terms of where he was. Mm -hmm. And as much as I think the human part of each of us wants quote, evil people and bad people to, quote, pay for what they've done here mm-hmm. in this life. Mm-hmm. There is not that scary God waiting to cast you out on a throne once you die. Right. So we often create a hell of our own making in our heads. And we create that reality for ourselves over on the other side if we truly feel like that's what we deserved. So I would imagine that Leslie's dad had a fear that he was going to end up in jail or prison or the person that he was. And so to think that he basically created the hell that he thought he was going to experience Mm -hmm. on earth Mm -hmm. in the astral plane, I think is number one, the first thing that's very interesting. You know, like what we've said before, no one judges us harder than we judge ourselves. Um, So I think that, you know, that part is kind of sad if you want to think about it like that. You know, I think that No matter what we've done in this life, no matter how horrible, you know, again, there is no scary God waiting to throw the baby out with the bathwater over on the other side. I think that like what Leslie said, you know, there's a a great book by, I think it's Louise Hay called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. And it basically talks about how our physical body will keep the score of the things that we repress, Mm -hmm. whatever we don't express we repress. Think of that. Anytime you are trying to shove down particular experiences or emotions for yourself, whatever you don't express, you repress. And that energy will sit in our physical body. And in my experience in Reiki, it will eventually create disease or disease or sickness or illness of some kind. Mm -hmm. Every illness in my experience has some sort of emotional root our energetic root at its core. Right. You know, our doctors in Western medicine aren't taught to treat illness at its root. They're taught to treat illness by the symptoms that they have. You know, it's really putting a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when Leslie went to this energy worker and they were able to pick up on that repressed energy that was sitting in her shoulder blades, mm-hmm. and she was able to release that, you know, It's interesting also that it was sitting in your shoulder blades. That's governed by the heart chakra. Mm. So it's interesting. It's basically like your heart chakra had taken a hit by the experiences that you would have from your dad. And I think one thing that's important to remember too, you know, anybody that's done a lot of healing work for yourself will know that, you know, we can say that we've left things in the past and dealt with things as much as we want to. But it's so interesting to see how 
big traumas for us can still really live in our bodies in different ways if we have not really gotten to the root of what that experience was for us. Right. You know, and it's funny, though, Christina, when I talked to that blue collar spiritualist, it's like a door was opened for me and actually for my dad. You know, it's like he opened a door that I didn't know was shut. I didn't know I needed to open it and go through it. And you guys, it's weird because do I feel different about all this? I do, but I think it's more about how I look at things now and how much more grace and how much more love I have for someone who was in my life and I didn't like, and I almost pretty much hated for my whole life, but it sure tells you the story about forgiveness and love and how you can give another soul grace for the horrible things they've done to you. Because like I said, you know, we only judge ourselves when we go on the other side. And so you can only imagine once he let go of that ego, he was just probably appalled at the things he had done. You know, I would definitely imagine that when he got over to the other side, he was like, holy crap. What have I done? Look at the ripple effects that I've created, you know, and I think very often that's when those souls kind of take themselves, you know, to these little mental constructs of their own making. So I would imagine that that's when he kind of confined himself to that solitary confinement, you know, thinking that he had to pay penance, you know, for however long. Um, And that's the thing, you know, like it's karma too. Like I've cleared karma. Like maybe I've saved myself a whole lifetime here and maybe saved him a lifetime here of having to redo it and redo it and trying to learn. And I think I learned and I think he learned and I think we helped each other. And maybe it happened the way it was supposed to happen. And that's a horrible way to look at it. Like, well, you're victim blaming that little girl who was abused by her dad. And yeah, that's horrible. And I do think that everybody goes through trauma in their life, regardless of what it is and how severe it is. That's why we're here. That's how we learn. So if I can learn to completely and utterly let it go, and then know that I asked him to go back and hold that little girl and give her the love and protection a little girl should have from her own father. And like I said, I don't feel different now. But you know, it may hit me one day, and I may not have that bad memory anymore. Maybe those memories will go away. That's the goal for me anyway. And I only yeah, and I only have good memories because there there are good times too. don't get me wrong. But I will focus more on the good memories because it's almost like leveling up for me too, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think one thing that should be mentioned here, at least from what I can hear my guides chattering about is this is a very triggering concept for a lot of people. Yes, yes. So with that said, let's say that at the forefront, this is a very triggering concept. The concept of contacting your abuser mm-hmm. in whatever capacity that was for you when they're in the spirit side can be a very daunting and very triggering concept. So I think from what my guides are saying, if this is triggering you in this moment, that's okay. Because when Leslie told me about this, it triggered me yes. too. Because <laughs> I have I have my own abuser too. And it was a triggering thought for me. What my guides told me as I sat on that concept longer is everyone, as you know, has their own free will to be able to deal with the souls that they want to deal with on the other side. If you never want to contact your abuser on the other side, that's okay. I think the point they were trying to make is this conversation that Leslie and I are having is meant to be thought provoking and meant to maybe perhaps make you think of a situation in a different way. Because it definitely did for me. 
it gave me additional perspective on perhaps why my abuser acted the way that he did. Um, It gave me the ability to kind of be the observer in what happened to me, as opposed to still living through it every time I thought about it. Right. What helped me so much is taking the meat sack away and looking at the soul and going, oh, okay. There was all ill intent, of course, at the time, but connecting with you now, you're not that same person that's human. When we're human, we're Humans are terrible sometimes. And when you're human with the free will and the and the ego, I know the ego keeps you alive. It keeps you fed. It keeps you wanting to get more and more in life and all the things. But it also, ego with the wrong kind of person, it, it can wreak havoc on families and countries and whatever else you can imagine. So, yeah. So looking at him through just a, on a soul level, And I had to remind myself because, you know, I wanted to go, okay, you little SOB. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to talk to you. But then when I was like, hold up, and I don't know where I got that. It must have been a guide, my mom, whatever. But when my mom said, you can talk to him, that was my green light because mom said it was okay. You know what I mean? Right. You know, my guides just dropped this analogy into my head that really kind of helped. It's the same thing that we're talking about, basically. But So I just watched a show on Netflix recently. It's called Midnight Mass. And it's a wild show, y'all. I've seen (laughs) that. Yeah. 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 There's a scene in there where there, it's this little island where, you know, everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. And there was an accident where a gentleman had been intoxicated and he fired his gun and accidentally shot one of the younger girls that was on the island Mm -hmm. in the back. And it hit her in the spine. And he paralyzed her. She lived through the experience. And she goes to him later on. And she says, you know, she goes to this guy's trailer. He's still deep in his active addiction. And he is living exactly how she thought he likely lived. All by himself in complete solidarity. Mm -hmm. He was living in filth in the middle of his addiction, active addiction. And he looked pitiful in front of her. And she's yelling at him, I hate you. I I don't ever want to see you again. You're the scum of the earth. You know, she's telling him all this stuff. And you start to feel empathic for that man in that moment because Mm -hmm. he is living in squalor. Mm -hmm. He is living in a hell in his own making. And she's just hurtling stuff at him. I hope you live the same pain that I lived. And then she stops herself and she says, but as I step into this house of yours, You're living exactly how I hoped you were. Mm. And for that, I feel empathy and guilt because I don't want anyone to live like this. Mm. And he starts to cry and she says, I forgive you. I don't even know that I fully believe that yet, but I have to say it. I forgive you. And he just starts hysterically bawling. Mm. And she says, you have to be better. Do better. Be better from this point forward. If I can let go of this. And so can you. Wow, girl. (laughs) It's exactly kind of what happened. It really is. Because when I saw when when I talked to him, he says, I'm not where your mother is. I'm on a level that's not hell. But I can hear people, even though I'm in solitary confinement, we can't talk to each other. He did tell me that I, I know I told you that too. We can't talk to each other. I can hear them crying. They can hear me if I whatever. We can all hear each other but we can't do anything to help each other. And we're all just in this prison. Now, this may just be my dad's interpretation 
And these may be made up sounds that he's got in his mind because he's in his own hell. So it might not be anybody with him. It's just where he is. Because I think there's so many multitudes of levels on the other side that that's just his personal level. But when he said, source is always surrounding me and I feel the love of source at all times, that's what keeps me going. But that's exactly what happened. And when he told me he was in solitary confinement and I could tell, I could just, like I said, it's not a conversation. It's a feeling I get. I could feel the remorse. I could feel the pain he was in. You're right. It's exactly what happened on that show. I, I felt empathy. I felt sorry for him. And I felt like, what can I do to help you? And when you get to the level of that with your abuser guys, and I'm not saying I'm good or great or anything, I've had a long time to mull this over. And I have learned just by forgiving him alone without doing any of the other stuff we just talked about, I've healed myself. But when Pete, the blue collar spiritualist, cleared that energy in my shoulder blade, it really truly opened a door to what can I do more? What more can we do? And that's why I told him to go back to that little girl for me. And that's another reason why I said, well, if you can do that, do it for my sister, do it for my brothers. And he's like, well, don't I need their permission? And I'm like, I would think so, but maybe not when you go back and you're the dad you need to be because you were already a dad for them. So go back and do what you can to fix it, right? Because you really truly can go back and correct things. And that's karma. And that way you're saving so many different lifetimes here that are that are not good. Right, right. You know, I, I think that it's like what you said, you know, and what my spirit guides tell me all the time. This is energetic baggage, yes. like luggage that we carry around with us our entire life. You know, any type of trauma that we experience, it becomes like a piece of luggage that we carry around energetically. And some of us carry that for our entire lives. It's like weights and ball, you know, chains that we attach to ourselves. So I think that just having this conversation and bringing up the concept, you can, if you're open to it, talk to the person that hurt you the worst and tell them, tell them everything, you know, you don't have to be, you know, fine when you start that conversation, you can be angry, tell them about what they did, you know, express those things. Again, what you don't express, you will repress. So bring those things up to the surface. And I think it's again, like that analogy from that show, all of us are just souls, you know, it's like, I can't remember which guest of yours said this, but it was a beautiful analogy. He said, you know, in a play, we at the end, we clap for all the characters, Mm -hmm. the good and the bad. And this is what this life is. It's just a play. It really is. Um, so, you know, when we get back over to the other side, I don't ever want to have a moment where I am hurtling that energy at another soul. You know what I mean? Like right. what happened in that show. I I had so much empathy for that man in that show in that moment because I thought of my own self. You know, what would I say if my abuser was sitting in front of me? What would I tell him? Right. My abuser passed away before I could ever confront him. Mm. So what would I tell him, you know, and take it from there. And again, guys, I know this is very triggering. This can be very triggering. But I think if you can breathe through that trigger and just see it for that, this is just a thought. Just take it as a thought to consider. And you do or don't have to do anything that you don't want to. But I think it's a beautiful concept and very thought-provoking. And you know what's so nice about this too? What a great thing you just said. And what I love about this too is the fact that when I asked him to help me, it was helping him too. 
And that's really, yeah. And that's truly almost better for me in a way because I've let it go. So what can I do to help you? And you would think, why would you ever want to help him? Why, you know, listen, and he did tell me, he goes, I was sick. I was very, very sick. He did tell me that, but that was early on. And, you know, I was just kind of rolling my eyes, you know, yeah, you were sick, you know, you son of a, you know, and, and you get over all that. And then you really just have this download with him or this communication with him where it's that girl going into the camper with the guy that Christina just talked about throwing things at him. And he's living in squalor in this horrible camper and in, in active addiction and pretty much putting himself in solitary confinement in his own hell. And that's what my dad was doing. I didn't have that image, but same basic concept. And, and guess what? I just helped him. He's still in solitary confinement because that's what he told me. He goes, I've ascended out of the level I was in, but I'm still here because I think he still has work to do. And that's okay. Let him do the work. So when and if he does come back, and I think he probably will, um, when he comes back, hopefully that karma will be no longer with him and that abuse will no longer be something he will be tempted to do. Right, right. Uh, All right. So Christina, as usual, you are amazing. And I want to give everybody your information in case they want a psychic reading or a Reiki session with you or whatever it is that you offer. Tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. You can find me at my website. It's christinathemedium.com. You can also find me on TikTok and Instagram by the same handles. Great. And girl, I tell you, you have always been so lovely and just, hey, you want to do a quick podcast? Yeah, let's do it. And you're always here so wonderful and available to me. So I adore you. I know. And we will talk soon. Thanks again for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.